0: is the light out of the
1: shadows of my life. This is the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. Hey I'm Melissa. I'm Emily. I'm Jimmy. Tonight we are talking about season three, episode 19, which is Meow. From my understanding, there was not a lot of people. Very enthusiastic to uh, talk about this particular episode for some reason.
2: No, I feel like we've been trying to get this episode recorded for, like, months now. And no one's been particularly <laughs> interested or <they're> motivated <laughs> to record it. So, hey, <laughs> here we are, though.
1: I guess it was last year we were designating who would be on what episodes of the show. And um, nobody wanted
0: Meow.
3: Except for Jimmy.
0: I called into work to be on this episode because I was like, I'm not missing Neo because work was going to be really short anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> hey, man, is it legal for you to do
1: that anyway? <laughs> um, should, we, talk about that. should we discuss the plot of this first or do we just want to jump right into it?
2: Cat would want you to discuss the plot first.
1: All right. Well, then in deference to Kat, I will... <laughs> oh cat ha huh? <laughs> uh, i'm so i'm so disappointed she's not here for all the wonderful puns we would be having at her ex- at her expense <laughs> molly takes the family to a museum in the small midwestern town famous for its museums this is a surprise for annie because apparently she's friends with the proprietor of the museum who's named jen She's an old family friend. Apparently Annie and her parents used to go on archaeological digs in Egypt together because that's something you totally want to invite an eight-year-old to. Anywho, um, this is a museum that specializes in Egyptian artifacts, and it's closing down because they've lost their funding because somebody is scaring the guest away. That night, Annie finds a mysterious cat whom she takes home. And she's soon making a connection between the living cat and the mummified cat in the museum's archives. Also, there is a mummy, to A person mummy. What is it? Princess... I I literally just watched this ten minutes ago, and I don't remember the character's name. Princess Medif? Medif? Merit. That's not how it's spelled.
3: I think it might be short for uh, Princess and Merit It's an ancient Egyptian royal... In the 18th dynasty
1: so
0: oh interesting and in the credits they actually misspelled that word they put that it was mad Fet mummy but there is nothing called mad Fet anything however there is a feline goddess called math so they put the f and the d they mixed them up at least i'm assuming it's a misspelled in correction because you can't find anything called mad fed mummy online, but there are references to an Egyptian goddess called map Det.
3: Yeah.
1: You guys so. did more research into this episode than I did.
3: <laughs> so, An interesting fact that the woman who plays the mummy is also in Annie's song. So
1: yeah, she is Carmen Moore is the name of that actress and she's been in a lot of Canadian television zombie, Supernatural, Flash Gordon, Andromeda, tons of this stuff.
3: Oh, wow, she's in Cadillac's way.
1: I don't know what that is.
3: Uh, it was a really good show on ABC Family, I think.
1: Mm.
0: The yeah. alien boy with no belly button.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, I, I have a, a vague
0: recollection of this. And the lady who plays Jen is Fiona Hogan, which the most noticeable thing I noticed she was in is The Magicians. Plays mentally um, or something. She has a lot of, um, I
1: guess you would call mainstream credits. She's been in a couple of big movies. She had a, a part in I, Robot, the Will Smith film. She was in The Tooth Fairy with uh, Dwayne Johnson, Agent Cody Banks, and then yeah, lots of television and a little bit of voice work too. I don't know if any of you guys remember the movie Evolution with David Duchovny. It was kind of like a shitty Ghostbusters ripoff that was directed by the guy who made Ghostbusters. Anyway, there was a short-lived cartoon adaptation, and she had a reoccurring voice part on that. Yeah. Is that
0: the one with Sean Sean William Scott? Is yes, that, right? Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was a good movie.
1: Uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now it doesn't hold up, but I remember being a little kid and watching Evolution, and it it was really cool back then. I didn't notice all the crappy CGI or anything back when I was younger.
1: So my thing with this episode, you know, rewatching it just now, it raised a couple of questions in my brain. And uh, first off, in that very, very first scene in the uh, cold open, where Annie is talking in voiceover and it's showing this, school trip visiting the museum. There's a scene there where the school teacher opens the lid off the mummy's sarcophagus to show the children the mummy. And I'm pretty sure a museum would not let a visitor manhandle the artifacts (laughs) and expose them to sunlight like that. So um, that stuck out to me.
3: Yes, it was Jen doing that. Was it?
2: I think
0: it it was Jen, yeah.
2: The kids were putting their hands all over it and i don't even think the museum the people who work at the museum would be allowed to do that without no. wearing gloves or something
1: no i don't believe they would be <laughs>
2: no it, that stuck out to me too
0: and also she grabbed this priceless top of a sarcophagi and then she just lifts it up and stands it up against the wall i'm like yeah. okay you could totally be chipping like the bottom of it why would you do that jen you're supposed to be like the proprietor of this whole place Um, And another issue that I had with it was you lost funding from Alexander County, which is in Cairo, not Cairo. So she loses funding because the place seems haunted. But the only reason that the mummy and the cat are coming to life is because she lost funding and they're going to be separated. So when did it become haunted? Before or after you lost funding? That's what tripped me out.
1: That scene where they first get to the museum and Jin is dumping that exposition on everybody, mm-hmm. telling them that the museum is closing, that was just like some real Scooby-Doo shit right there. <laughs> because this is like the beginning of a Scooby-Doo episode where somebody's like, "Oh, well, the museum's gonna close because people are seeing a mummy," and like I half expected this to end with. Annie jumping on some roller skates and crashing into the mummy and then they pull the mask off and oh no, it's old Mr. Withers who wants to sell the museum so he can sell to train developers or something, you know?
2: No, that's a good point, Jimmy. That I hadn't thought about that though. It egg. doesn't make sense. It's like yeah. chicken or the egg. Hmm. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah, like okay, you're losing funding because the place is haunted and there's a lot of sounds, a lot of people are complaining. However, the mummy, because of the curse, only would come alive because she's going to be separated from her cat. So the only reason you're separating her from the cat is because you lost funding, but you lost funding because the place is haunted. So it doesn't make any sense, really. That's a, that's a bold accusation, suggesting this episode doesn't make sense. <laughs> and it's also written, this episode is written by Elia Horwitz, who also wrote the episode Mutiny. And yeah, then the guy who directed the episode, John Poser, which he did Banshee, Shelter, Talking Board, Eddie's Desk, Bangleby, Exit 13, Grave Mistake. So it's like, sheesh, you'd think somebody would have caught that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and it, it's talking about uh, John Poser. It's like, you know, Banshee is a pretty popular, well-received episode. I mean, I think that's in all of our top tens. And, you know, okay, Shelter is, all right. you know, not, not great, not bad. But then, like, he's also responsible for a bunch of these... Season 3 episodes, which are, you know, pretty forgettable. Yeah. So pretty wild uh, divergence in quality there. Uh, and Mutiny is a good episode, too. And this, uh, this one is um, yeah. not as good as that one.
0: Yeah, and another qualm is that, you know, in the intro, she starts talking about the goddess Bast and how cats were revered because of this goddess Bast. And then she says, this particular cat belonged to Princess Merit. And then she goes on to say, Bast, referring to that cat, was the cat or, like, the pet of Princess Merit, which has nothing to do with, like, the actual lore of Bast. You know, she was a goddess. They said she was the daughter slash wife of Amun-Ra, and that she wasn't an actual cat per se like a physical cat that would belong to a princess so the lore is totally fictional and made up just for the story
1: yeah well i would assume that bass the pet is named after bass the goddess
0: yeah Yeah, that's that's
1: what i figured yeah yeah you know i mean first off just like from that opening scene why is molly taking the tour bus for a family trip and don't know. <laughs> I mean okay, obviously the the actual answer to that question is the show wasn't going to put out more money for another vehicle for this episode. But like in that first scene you see Molly driving the bus and my immediate reaction is where's Ned? What's going on? And then she explains, "Oh, we're just going up to this museum to appease Annie." But it's like why why take the bus then? Like
0: surely you own a station wagon or some shit. I mean <laughs> Well, I was thinking because Jack mentions he's like, Mom, we're supposed to be on the road to St. Louis and you're like off the beaten path. We're not going in the direction of St. Louis. So I guess one could assume that maybe because this has happened before, you know, where characters will maybe fly where they're supposed to be and then the rest of the game is driving the bus there. So maybe Ned and Irene are already in St. Louis and they're going to meet them. That's what one would assume, I guess.
3: That's what I kind of assumed, anyways.
1: Well, you know, in moments like these, it really does feel like we, the fans, are putting a lot more thought into what's happening than the actual writers of the episode did.
0: Instead, we have to do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, you said you're, you actually enjoy this episode a lot. I don't dislike this episode. I think it's a totally mediocre, middle-of-the-road season three episode but um, you seem to be the odd man out here. Why Why do you enjoy this
0: one? I don't know. It kind of feels more nostalgic for me because I do study African religion slash Egyptian religion. So that part of it is really nostalgic for me. And also I just love Alex and I like how dark the episode is, you know, with all of the artifacts and the discussing of, of, you know, I guess, quote unquote history, I enjoyed it just for what it was, you know? I really didn't look deeper as a younger person, but now I can go back and realize like my rewatch today, I just have like two pages of just qualms of what I was irritated with. And it wasn't so much that I'm like, oh, I feel so nostalgic about the episode. It's more like I really wanted to discuss the episode because of all of the appropriation and all of the the fake storylines that really didn't have anything to do with actual history. And that's what I wanted to kind of point out. And I do have like a bunch of notes here.
1: You know, there are one or two things about this episode I actually do like. Um, I mean, first off, The Mummy is one of these classic uh, horror archetypes. Pretty much every genre sci-fi fantasy horror show has done a a riff on it at some point. So it is kind of neat that So Weird has done their spin on The Mummy as concept and i do like that this episode is attempting to actually be kind of spooky and scary there are a lot of scenes of people wandering around this dark museum there are a couple of moments i think at least twice in this episode somebody is startled by another person walking up to them Mm -hmm. i can relate (laughs) well i mean and that is like a classic sort of horror movie i mean that goes back to at least it came from outer space from the 50s that was the first time as far as I know, that's somebody in a movie, in a horror movie, did that kind of fake out jump scare where somebody puts their hand on another character's shoulder and it's like, ah, but oh no, it's just so and so. I um, also
2: liked uh, the scene where Annie actually gets attacked by the mummy. It, it, Do you just see their shadows and the mummy coming up to her? I don't know. I thought it was shot kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Or- and that's <laughs> not
1: the only well shot moment. There's the scene where um, the mummy is being awoken. And she's in a big wooden crate. And there's a close-up on the nails coming up out of the wood. And it's so well shot. And it's such a cool moment that I honestly wonder if it's not stock footage from something. Because it doesn't look like it's shot on the same film grain as the rest of the episode. But I I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I
2: I guess I like that they, they did the mummy. But I wish we had seen more of the actual mummy instead of the cat. If I would watched this as a kid, I probably would have been disappointed that the episode was... I wonder if it was, like, if there was a promo for this episode and it talked about it being about mummies. Because if it had, I would have been like, uh, okay, it's mostly about a cat. You know, <laughs> I would have been a little disappointed. But I didn't see this episode when I was young, so...
3: Yeah, I like that they did a mummy episode, but I wish they would have done it in, like, first or second season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would have been so much better. Oh, and this is interesting. Um, this episode aired a week after the movie, The Mummy Returns, came out in theaters. So I'm wondering now if maybe they did this topic and aired the episode at this time to kind of cash in on this big mummy-related blockbuster being out at the same time.
3: Hmm. Maybe.
0: Mm. And isn't there, like, a Disney movie about... A mummy that came out around the same yes. time period as well. Under Wraps,
1: which is um, one of Under my Wraps. favorite. Yeah, that's one of my favorite decoms, and that came out in 97, so quite a couple of years before this one.
3: Yeah, Under Wraps is probably one of my favorite decoms as well. It's honestly kind of adorable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing I do like about this episode are the scenes of just the family goofing her off and being around each other. There's a moment where Molly and Jack and uh, Carrie are sitting around a table eating Chinese food, and it's just a really cute sequence. It makes you feel like you're looking at a family doing stuff. At this point, the show's been running for three years, so these actors have been interacting with each other for a while, and you do kind of get the impression that they're just enjoying being in each other's company. You know, uh, Carrie and Jack are sore fighting with their chopsticks and stuff. And also, I love Chinese food. So anytime characters are shown eating Chinese food in a movie, it's like, oh, this is relatable content.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like it, too. Yeah, I agree. Their banter in this episode, Jack and Carrie's, and when they're poking fun at Annie or whoever, it seems very natural. And it really plays into the fact that they're, they're a group and they're a family. And the bit with the chopsticks and them fighting actually... Reminded me of Strangeling and uh, Jack and Clue's sword fight down in the, the basement of the yeah. theater.
1: And there's a, a cute little line there where somebody asks where's Aunt, where Annie is. And Jack says, oh, well, it's only been 10 minutes. You know, it's that's like a half an hour in Annie time or something. So mm-hmm. but those are the things I like about this episode. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to get that positivity out there first. because I think the rest of the hour will probably be devoted to us pooping on this one.
3: Uh, there's one part where Carrie is acting like a prince, like, posing in front of a prince, uh, Egyptian prince, and then later in the episode, Molly is, uh, posing like the princess.
2: Ooh.
3: <laughs> I feel like somebody would mention that.
2: <laughs> like a, a Mary thing? Molly, yeah. Carrie.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, well, again, if Kat was here, I'm sure she would have leapt on that, maybe. Or at least I would have made fun of her
0: for assuming she would leap on that. Yeah. (laughs) Did did you guys notice the little Easter egg? Um, I don't know if this was intentional, but we do know that Carrie dropped out of college. And when they very first get to the museum, he's wearing a UCSC shirt, which is the University of California, Santa Cruz. So I wonder if that's where he went to school.
3: I thought he went to (laughs) Bolton. UC Boulder, as it hmm. mentioned in a past episode, I think, or maybe it was in something in John he had. But, but
2: I know that Clue went to UC Santa Cruz.
0: Oh, well, maybe he's wearing one of Clue's old shirts from the wardrobe department. <laughs> I don't know. Probably.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, so so this is either a continuity era or um, deepens the lore further. It's up to you, listener, to decide.
3: Yeah, actually, I know for a fact that uh, Carrie went to UC Boulder because it's mentioned in uh, the outline for the episode that never was that dealt with alcohol. Yeah. So then he
0: must be wearing Clue's shirt. We'll just chalk it up to that he's wearing his brother's shirt, and from Clue's last visit, and then we'll just uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, let's not
1: examine that any further. Um, right.
0: I'm
2: feeling like if Cat was here, she'd be saying, "Guys, we're going all out of order." <laughs> so I don't know yeah. how to rein this in, but uh...
1: the only cat here is the cat on the episode. <laughs>
2: You know, we talked about them arriving at the museum and everything and they get the tour and then Annie gets lost because that's just what happens in T V shows. <laughs> and she finds the cat.
1: I can't remember what did the cat disappear for a while and Yeah, well she takes the cat home with her because the cat is on her bed at one point. Which but is um
2: really weird to me. What shouldn't you get the cat checked out first?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, people do just pick up strays and and take them home with them from time to time. But, uh, you know, the thing about Annie, there's a really I'm going to jump around here because I don't give a shit about the (laughs) order we go in. Um, Okay, I know we have um, a lot of people who listen to the show and a lot of people who have been on the show love Alex. And, you know, Alex is usually a fine actress. But there is a moment in this that I think contains some of her worst acting in her entire career. There's a scene where she has been locked into the bowels of the museum. Jen explains that some sort of the doors are on a timer or some such thing. I don't remember exactly. And she's holding the cat and the cat apparently calls her and she drops it. And her acting in that moment, for whatever reason, just feels incredibly artificial and cheesy i don't know what i guess it was just a bad take but um anybody else noticed that
2: i think i turned you know, away I, at that point so i, I didn't was see was
0: thinking and during that scene i was thinking like i wanted to see a scratch on her or something i was like that cat clearly scratched her because she yelled out in pain like i wonder if it drew blood but i didn't notice like any bad acting all right just me scene. all right um you hear me I know Jimmy wanted to talk about some of the um,
1: historical inaccuracies of which I'm sure there are, I have no doubt there are many. As an old like monster movie nerd, a moment stuck out to me when uh, Annie is initially going through the museum. She activates some sort of automatic display that shines a light on a piece of Egyptian Egyptian artwork. And they deliver this line, which is, death is but a doorway to new life. We live today, we shall live again. In many forms, we shall return to this earth. Now, that sounds like some really authentic ancient Egyptian Book of the Dead stuff right there, but that's actually from the 1932 movie, The Mummy. That's where it originates, and I believe they've reused that line in uh, some of the other versions of The Mummy that have been made since then. I know it was in that one with Tom Cruise from a couple years back that nobody liked.
0: That was a great Catch! I did not catch that. I think that's an awesome little Easter egg there. And there were a few scenes that kind of mirrored that, Um, like in the intro, when she's talking about the museums are a way for the dead to speak to us, and some voices are louder. But she also has a scene where she says, it's really cool that people from my old life can meet people in my new life. And I was like, oh, they kind of have this whole, like, balancing thing of, like, life and death in the episode. I don't know, just a little thing I was trying to put together. Uh, I also thought it was a cool thing uh, of the mirroring thing, how they were all saying corn, corn, corn at the beginning. And I was going, wow, this episode is really corny. (laughs) (laughs) That whole opening sequence on the bus to me, something just feels
1: really, really off about it.
0: I don't know. Yeah. And they got Caro wrong. Um, If you guys watch American Gods, they have like a whole scene dedicated to this because uh, a lot of that show takes place in Cairo, Illinois as well. But they don't call it Cairo. They call it Cairo. That's what all the, the locals call it.
2: Yes, I remember hearing about that. I read the book, but I didn't see the show. So I was wondering why I'd heard that name before.
1: Yeah, and uh, maybe that may just be a Canadianism there because at one point Eric Lively says, They buried her, which is also very much a Canadianism.
2: There's a scene where Molly starts sneezing around the cat. (laughs)
1: Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, and she says that she's developed a late allergy to cats. Late onset allergy? Yeah, late onset. But just last season, she owned a cat in shelter, which... The director of this episode directed Shelter 2, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, yes, It's same director, yeah.
2: So,
3: wouldn't he have caught that? You know, I used to have a problem with this myself, but I kind of developed an allergy to almonds, of all things. In my adulthood, like, I never used to be allergic to them. They were my favorite snack up to, like, two years ago, and now suddenly, whenever I eat anything with almonds in it my throat starts closing up and it's like i have strep or something yeah so now i'm kind of understanding how allergies can just develop randomly
2: no yeah no Uh, i did my first aid training a couple years ago and the instructor was like you could develop an allergy to peanuts at any time a deadly (laughs) allergy to peanuts and i'm like great thanks peanuts
1: are just waiting for an opportunity to kill you.
3: (laughs) I just assume she probably developed it.
2: Okay, well then where is Mr. whatever his name is? What was the cat's name?
3: (laughs) I don't know, boss.
2: No, their cat.
0: Was it Uh, Mr. Whiskers? Peabrain. Peabrain.
2: Peabrain, yeah. What happened to him?
3: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he got rehomed. Where was he in Lightning Rod?
2: There was a cat in Lightning Rod, remember? But it wasn't
3: P-Brain. But it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Are we
1: dare suggesting that the continuity of So Weird is anything but ship-shaped, tight, airtight?
0: <laughs> so I like that line where they say late-onset allergy because then it kind of dismisses the whole argument. Like, but you've had a cat all these years. And maybe P-Brain went to live with Fiona at Aunt Melinda's. I
1: like to think the writers made it late onset uh, allergy. You know, perhaps one of the writers did indeed remember that Molly had a cat in a previous episode, or maybe they were just saying, I can't remember if Molly had a cat or not. I'm just going to hedge my bets and say that it's late onset so we can do this dumb joke
0: about uh, Mackenzie sneezing. Yeah. (laughs) And wasn't it ironic that she sneezes the moment she mentions the late onset? you yeah. were in the museum the whole time like and you didn't sneeze at all until you see a cat and mention your allergy then you sneeze
3: yeah it just so. was a late onset allergy to cats and uh something says here uh your age also has something to do with developing allergies since repeated exposure to certain allergens can trigger allergic reaction uh, it is possible to develop allergies when you're older, as you've had more time to be in contact with the allergens. So, very
2: good to know.
1: <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> it did stick out to me as kind of a that's just sort of weird, and not yeah. like so weird weird, just like why'd they put that in there weird. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right, Jimmy, go through your uh, <laughs> grievances.
1: Yeah, because clearly we have so much to say
0: about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've covered, you know, a lot of them, but I did want to cover just a little bit of the history of Bast. Now, of course, she originally had the head in early, early, early Egypt. She had the head of like a desert cat or of a lioness, and she personified playfulness, grace, affection, and cunning of a cat as well as of a fierce uh, lioness. Now, she was the daughter and the wife of Ra. And thus known as the Eye of Ra, along with her sister feline goddesses and Egyptians, of course, considered cats very sacred. They were kept for hunting as well as for protecting the home uh, as they were helping to stave off any sort of diseases that could be brought in from vermin. And they also helped kill snakes, which are very venomous in Egypt. Doing harm to a cat in ancient Egypt was considered a horrible sacrilege and could result in the death of, of the person who harmed the cat. And in ancient Egypt, when a cat died, they were mummified so that they could be offered as an offering to a feline goddess, um, in this case, Bass, in hopes of fertility. Usually images of Bass will have many kittens around her. Um, she's a symbol of fertility as well as protection. And then the, the princess Merit. There really was a princess merit, and in the credits, I believe the episode misspelled her name. I was mentioning this earlier because they spelled her name as Mad Fet Mummy is what they call her. But there's only one reference to a math debt in ancient Egypt, and as early as the first dynasty, math debt has been considered the goddess of judgment, justice, and execution, and she is also believed to be the very first feline goddess. She predates Bast uh, and her sister goddess Sekhmet, and another feline deity in the form of a lioness who protects the king and the Pharaoh may have eclipsed Mathdet's popularity and assimilated her function. So basically Bast, kind of did away with the worship of Math det when she came about. So that's kind of interesting that they have Mathdet has the cat named Vass, when in ancient religions, Vass kind of overshadowed Math det's worshipers or her worship. Now, Math det's reverence and existence is still evident, especially when we find sarcophagi of different pharaohs, because her images can still be found on personal items as well as On their beds uh, where they are mummified. Jen talks about Bast as a goddess which I found like you guys said she probably just named the cat after the goddess Uh, but that kind of confused me when she's first talking about the goddess and then she, she says this particular cat belonged to Princess Merit and then she just we just start referring to Bast as the cat. That was a little bit confusing for me. And there was another part where I felt like it was a little bit of appropriation. Jen talks about Bast as a goddess and cats being the living symbols of her and then she says this particular cat hinting that it's not Bast then states Bast was the mummified cat and protected the princess then was buried with the princess. So the show is creating its own lore. It's like not actual lore or actual history. And I feel like that is another example of appropriation on the part of So Weird because they're taking actual myths from an actual culture and actual religion and sort of appropriating it, um, you know, for the American slash Canadian slash wherever else this played out uh, audience. Oh, I thought it was interesting also that the remains of the mummy were so clean and that she still has gold rings on, but then like Jen lifts up the sarcophagi and then she leaves it off and leaves the students there hovering over the dead body. But the dead body is literally wearing gold and like priceless jewelry. Like Mm -hmm. it, it just seems so, I don't know, it's not smart.
1: Well, you know, that's just, that's like, in, in movies, mummies are always super clean and super well-preserved, when if you actually look at a real-life mummy, you know, obviously they don't look that way.
0: <laughs> I didn't think that the mummified cat would actually look like that, because I thought it looked a little too pristine. But looking at mummified cats online, they did actually look a lot like that, um, except for the bottom half would usually be, like, covered in... Um, some sort of plant would be, like, braided around the bottom half of their body, and it didn't really have that in the episode. Well, just a particular thing about that
1: mummified cat, though, is later in the episode, Carrie and Jack are messing around, and he picks up, like, the cat's sarcophagi, like, the sort of little mini sarcophagus, I don't know, there might be a particular word for it, that the cat is kept in, and it immediately opens up, like, one of those Russian nesting dolls It just snaps right open, And uh, again, I have to say that feels unlikely.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I really appreciate you going through all that history, uh, Jimmy, because I thought that was one of the things this episode had going for it was that it was providing an education lesson because it was basically she was just spouting off a bunch of apparent facts throughout the episode, Jen. You know, it was kind of like watching an educational program at times. But now you're telling me that, you know, it's not even accurate, so...
3: Yeah, which isn't surprising.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a little upsetting and I also found um this is a little off topic but it has to do with mummified cats but on strangehistory.net I was horrified to find out that in 1888 more than 300,000 mummified cats were found in an Egyptian cemetery and they didn't know what to do with them. So what did they do? They stripped off all of their wrappings and their matted fur, and then they carted them off and sold them to farmers in the US and in England, ground them up and used them as fertilizer. Oh. Isn't that so disrespectful? Like, I just feel so disrespected, and I'm not even Egyptian.
1: Well, you know, for years I've heard stories about how they would use mummies for, like, firewood. So, you know, there's a long history of white people coming into Egypt and just saying, like, what's this old shit? I'm just going to set it on fire or throw it away. Thus are the
0: wages of imperialism. Yeah. And did anyone else have an issue with, like, the cliché bowl of milk? for the cat, which cats, like, it's not even healthy to give them milk, but yet that's, like, a cliche that if there's a cat they just got to feed it milk, you know? Mm-hmm. I had a little issue with that.
2: Well, I had an issue with Carrie licking it. That was nasty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're assuming that the mummy, Princess Mary, is the one who put this gold bowl of milk in there for the cat, which to me is just, like, eye roll. I wish that Disney didn't, at this time period, didn't treat us so stupidly, you know, or just think that we're not going to catch this stuff. They really should have just stuck to the actual historical aspects of it. And I think we would have had a much better and more deeply rooted episode to appreciate than we, than we get.
1: Well, you know, this episode, it does kind of feel like a commercial for museums a little bit in various other season three episodes it's popped up where it feels like they're really trying to teach us something and I do feel like the moral of this episode is sort of uh, appreciate museums. Hey kids, go to a museum. They'll teach you stuff.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: and then it becomes kind of ironic that, you know, I mean I would not expect a twenty year old Disney Channel show to be especially rigorous in its research. <laughs> so I'm not shocked to hear that it isn't especially historically accurate. Yeah.
3: yeah about Princess uh, Mary Merit- I do wonder if they're referring to Princess uh, Meritaten was the daughter of King or Ak- Akhenaten, which would made her uh, the sister of Prince oh, Thoreau
1: The writers probably found a history book, a book on Egyptian, because, you know, I mean, I guess this was early internet. They could have found something on it you know, encyclopedia.com, whatever existed at the time in those pre-Wikipedia days. And they probably just say like, oh, that's a that's a cool name for a Egyptian princess. Let's go with that.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. probably. Are we ready to talk about the ending? Sure! <laughs> okay. Annie realizes that the cat is trying to get back to the mummy, or the mummy is trying to get the cat. Oh, uh, I don't know. One of those. The episode basically ends with them being reunited in the sarcophagus. In the same sarcoph- sarcophagus, which Jen is like, what? They had two separate sarcophagi. Everyone that's in the group. You know, Molly, Carrie... Jack, they're all witnesses, so now they totally believe Annie, right? They believe that weird stuff happens.
1: Yeah, once again, we have an example of the other characters on the show being exposed to very clearly strange, probably supernatural events, and just kind of shrugging and forgetting about it next time.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. I did appreciate that Jack was kind of like, no, we don't need to see this he knows that they might be united inside. And it's like, if he sees it, it confirms that weird stuff happens. So it's like, no, I don't need to see this. But then he, he sees it anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. And and then the ghost Panther shows up or the spirit Panther shows up again, just to remind the viewers that this is still technically the season arc.
3: I did like that scene though with the Panther. It was
1: cute. I mean, for me, it just feels unnecessary. It's just shoved in there just to remind us, clearly somebody said like oh well this is about a cat let's connect this with you know annie's persona and all that stuff but it did feel very forced in like oh well you know we're coming up towards the end of the season we better remind people that this is a thing i mean it's not even a case like rewind or widow's walk where the panther shows up and resolves the plot it's literally just like conrad drops in does a little cameo and then we're out
3: yeah I remember watching this with a friend, and she had a head cannon that Annie's uh, favorite animal is, is cats because of the panther. But yeah, that's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm.
0: And I did find a re- reference that that uh, goddess Det, she also sometimes was depicted with the head of a panther in some aspects. So you know, I thought that was also a cool kind of connection.
3: Yeah, I heard that earlier and I'm like, huh, I do wish they kind of you would have used that in this episode.
1: Yeah, you know, once again, that's either the writers of the show being um really smart about something, or you know, we viewers just making connecting dots that they never even considered. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. So are we ready for ratings on this one?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Alright, I would give this one a 5. Right in the middle. Mediocre episode. One or two things I like about it. Lots of things that just make me feel nothing at all. Typical, mediocre Season 3 episode is so weird. Sorry, Season 3 fans.
3: (laughs) I think I would give it like a 6.5 or maybe a 7 because there are things I like about it but it's not exactly a favorite. But I also, yeah, don't hate it. So, yeah.
2: I give this one a thumbs down. There's not too much that I like about it. I mean, I do like the banter between everyone, but I'm not super into Egyptian history, and at times it it did feel kind of like they were lecturing me, and then to find out that, oh, it's not even accurate information, it's a little irritating. And I liked seeing Annie do research on the computer. We didn't mention that, but that was kind of refreshing. But really, it just... I mean, I'm sure I'm going to forget about it a few hours after we're done talking about it. So just not for me, really, more than anything.
1: Yeah, did uh, instant translation websites like that exist back in 2001?
3: Probably not.
1: Because, you know, though it's not instant. She types in these um, hieroglyphs, and then it takes a couple. There's a little load bar that says translating. I couldn't help but noticed that. Made me nostalgic <laughs> for AOL.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of something from my Nancy Drew games. I'm a big Nancy Drew game fan and that is exactly like something that would appear in a Nancy Drew game where it's like perfectly translated <laughs> into English.
1: <laughs> did you see that new Nancy Drew movie?
2: I did not, but uh, she looks pretty adorable.
1: So. Yeah, I, I actually did see it. It was pretty cute.
2: Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we're off topic. <laughs>
0: Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, I actually gave it kind of a lower score than you guys. Uh, I wrote at the bottom of my notes, four out of 10 stars. I did like that Jen had a couple moments where she got kind of pissed off at Annie, and I liked her acting in that part, how she just like would stare at Annie. This is the first time we see a character like, look like she really wants to slap the shit out of Annie. Um, (laughs) But I guess she, she was around Annie when she was little, so she doesn't have a problem like being a mother figure, I guess. Yeah. Um, I did like how dark it was. And when I think of Annie's season, this is one of the episodes that kinda of sticks out to me. We have to mention her meowing because Cat our Kathy really wanted us to mention how uh, corny her, meow, 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 meow. Yeah, that's really kind of iconic now to me as a So Weird fan, it's goofy. And I find myself doing that to cats as well, Melissa, uh, yeah. because it's so corny and goofy that I just do that. Um, but yeah. yeah, four out of 10 stars Yeah,
3: and I don't even do that to cats because of this episode. It's just like meowing to cats and having them respond. It's like having a little conversation with a cat.
1: And I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but there was also a episode of Goosebumps with a mummy cat that I um, was probably aired a couple years before this and around the same time. So I don't know. I just it, it must have been like, oh, you know, we're going to do a kid show, a spooky kid show about mummies, kids like animals, the Egyptians mummified cats, mummy cat. <laughs> All right, so pray tell. I have been informed that we have quite a bit of feedback this week.
2: Yep. Yeah, we have a lot of feedback because it's been a long time since we recorded the last regular episode of the show. So, who wants to take the first one?
0: So, it looks like it's on our exit 13 episode, and it looks like Kiwi Girl 2014 says. Okay, I just watched this episode for my first time yesterday, and I find it very problematic. The whole idea of using Native American, or more specifically in this episode, or in this case, Iroquois, culture and folklore for this episode was poorly done, and would in no way air on TV today without people calling it out. For one thing, why did Annie fall for the fib about the stone being a paperweight and still buy it anyway a white man selling native american artifact is like a representation of our country's history of colonization another note is that i highly doubt there was a consultant for this episode for i'm not sure if burying a stone with an etching of twins when one of them dies is an actual ritual or not I just did some research just now and all I could find was the myth that Jimmy had mentioned. I do, however, give props to Annie for calling out the white guy for digging up the stones from a burial site. For instances like that have been ongoing for so long and it needs to stop already. So in conclusion, this episode of So Weird is a fine example of why the push for diversity in front of and behind the camera is a thing nowadays. Thank you for that comment. That's one thing I find myself pointing out a lot um, in any TV show is appropriation of actual culture and actual history and actual religion. Um, It's really heartbreaking that our white society tends to do that quite often. So thank you, Kiwi Girl.
3: Thank you. This is also from Kiwi Girl on the episode, Still Life. I'm catching up big time and I saw this episode tonight, I thought this was one of the more decent episodes of Season 3. I wouldn't call it paranormal per se, but it was most certainly inventive. I have thought about what maybe would have uh, made it more interesting. The painting is a world of possibilities, right? Well, what if in this world, Annie was able to see her panther for longer than a moment's glance. I would have found it very possible indeed. It would support your hypothesis about Annie being able to retain the knowledge that they were in the painting. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that.
1: This was on our episode for Voodoo, I believe. This is on YouTube. This is from Hone Stone. Which is, I just wonder what part of Louisiana it was in. Not a clue.
3: It was not New Orleans. I know that.
2: (laughs) They mentioned a city. But I don't know if it was the city they were in or...
3: They mentioned New Orleans because... I remember in the episode, Clue was asking Ned uh, where Mardi Gras is. And Ned was like... Fifty miles, east, six months away or something like that.
2: Some direction. Thank you. All right, the next few comments are from Widow's Walk. The first one is from Kathy, actually, our fellow podcaster. She said, I wanted to comment on this ep. This was one from season three that stuck in my head and that I enjoyed. I so related to Annie back then because my two older siblings, who are six and eight years older, Got to do stuff that I wasn't allowed to do, and I always thought it was unfair. Ha. Huh. Also, the old lady's emotional story really made an impact. I guess I have a thing for long-lost loves slash reunions. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the ladies, old lady's story, too. And Didn't someone else say they could relate to Annie? Cat, maybe? I don't know.
1: I know. I remember recording that podcast. I don't remember a thing I said on it. <laughs>
2: It was yeah. like two months ago.
1: No joke.
3: <laughs>
2: Thank you, Kathy.
3: This one is from MM on also Widow's Walk. <laughs> one of my favorite episodes with Olives in it. Honestly, same.
1: This is also on Widow's Walk. This is from AZN Seti. I remember being freaked out by old Annie as a kid because she looked so close to death, especially when she fainted in the courtyard and life alerted her panther. My (laughs) grandma lived with us at the time, so it kind of hit close to home because something similar happened to her. But yeah, now I realize it's a bad makeup job, especially her hands. Her old lady voice was grating, too. I do admire how relatable this episode was for both young and old, so I definitely think this was one of the saddest episodes in season three. One thing I noticed and loved during my rewatch was seeing Molly's implied witchy intuition in action again. The shot of her lingering at Mrs. Hasby's Terrace from afar for a few seconds in the beginning was great. And when she explicitly tells Jack and Carrie she feels something's wrong was even better. But yeah, since y'all looked at the credits, it's most likely a coincidence. But other than that, Molly's leniency with Jack felt OOC, out of character. I do find it weird how Carrie also caught the intuition instead of Jack. I kinda stand the reincarnated night arc. I made it made no real sense to me. I'm also continuously disappointed in the lack of distinct supernatural source this season, although I guess the bottle slash letter could have been the source slash trigger object, and I think William meant for the bottle to be opened only by Virginia whenever she finds it and no one else. If William's desire for her to find it was strong enough, that could be enough to turn it into a trigger object that can technically that can technically bring him home and desire is a real enough power to make things happen, or a part of his soul remained with the letter. If not, maybe the mirror has some snow-white ferris-of-the-mall effect. But again, there's just not enough there to imply any of that. That was another episode where I think we had a lot of thoughts along the lines of, uh, um, we're putting more thought into this than the actual writers did, which, um, you know, again, we were doing that this episode, so.
2: Yeah, I like the idea of the bottle only being able to be opened by Virginia. That would have been smart but I don't think that's what they were going for necessarily.
3: <laughs> that would explain why Jack and uh, Carrie couldn't open it, even though they're much younger than her.
0: So the next one, um, I think I'll get it. Um, it looks like it was left on the So Weird forum um, underneath our Great Encanto episode, and it's by a member from the forum <laughs> named Levi. And he says, Hi, guys. Long time no see. Sorry, I've been... in." my a with live events and i just wanted to say thank you for continuing to make the podcast however i don't think all the season three hate is needed haha whatever happened to the belinda metz interview also do you guys ever think it would be possible to interview Mackenzie, kara alex etc i feel like since you guys managed to score some cast members already it'd be cool to hear from a lot more thank you guys
1: the um, Belinda Mitz interview. We are still trying to make it happen.
2: As for Mackenzie, Kara, and Alex, we have tried some of these people, and nothing has come of it yet. So, yeah, we're, yeah. we're looking at all these things. <laughs>
1: never say never. By the time this episode comes out, we'll have had some other interviews go up. You know, we we have tried a few of those names before. We'll keep trying a couple of them. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you never know. It would be great to have anybody involved with. So, we're in any capacity on the podcast. We are still trying to make a couple happen, and there are a couple that have that may we've reached out to. So, we'll see. But I thank you for the continued support, Levi.
2: Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what you mean by the season three hate.
1: I, I am on record as being a season three hater. <laughs>
2: I mean, I think we try and treat each episode as its own thing.
3: There have been times when I, well, like maybe one or two episodes where I just can't get into it.
2: But yeah. I mean, that's different than like hate hating or bashing it. Now, okay, I will be honest. I think that was after the uh, Great Encanto episode. I did go a little overboard in that episode, I will admit. I, <laughs> uh, it was like the first episode we recorded right after the John Kixie interview. And I was really fired up about talking to him and like hearing what the original season three was going to be like. And yeah, I think I just went all out for that episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, we try to stay unbiased, but you know, we're breaking down the episode. So we're definitely going to point out the pros and the cons, but don't ever let that make you think that we're not still huge fans. Clearly we're all gigantic fans of so weird. So season three or not, we love the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, even I I admit somewhat flippantly that, you know, I don't like season three very much on a whole, but, you know, we always, I always try to find the positive in anything. You know, whether I succeed in that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Here's a comment on the forum from Darling Kelly. Bless you guys for muscling through season three. I've been trying to watch along with you guys, but most of these episodes still make me cringe. However, I will say it's nice that most of the cast stuck around so we could see their characters continue on and evolve. Devolve? Especially Jack. Oh, and also I totally agree that once your eyes have been open to all the not-so-discreet Molly slash Carrie stuff, you cannot unsee it. It's so obvious. (laughs)
0: Perhaps. (laughs) I even noticed from this Meow episode when Carrie's like talking while they're eating and he's like talking about dead people and molly's like carrie we're eating i was like carrie molly moment right there there it was
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't take much to get us uh mary shippers going is that the poor man to um molly carrie couple name mary yeah oh, okay yeah i just became a molly carrie shipper just since I joined the podcast, once they mentioned it, I see it everywhere now.
3: I mean, I, so I,
0: I totally stand. It.
3: Yeah, I see it, but I don't ship it because it's just that when the age gap is way too weird for me. I mean, plus I know that Carrie had to have grown up with Molly, so it's just. Adds even more levels of weird, and I cannot, in good faith, do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be like me being with an uncle or something.
0: Yeah, be- it,
1: it is a little incestuous, and I think that's why it's always skeezed me out a little. But you know, I neither ship nor stand any combination of two
0: characters on this television program.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, um, Carrie and Kelly. And then Gabe and Jack. Only the cannon chips. I like uh, that. I think it was one of us from the podcast who goes, William, on the Widow's Walk episode. Mm -hmm. That's great. But uh, Ben Loudermilk on YouTube says, "Ah, yes, the show where the ocean doesn't move when you see it in one of the background shots. Hollywood never has perfected the art of old aging makeup. Also one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. So thank Mm -hmm. you, Ben.
1: Well, there's some uh, pretty shaky green screen work in uh, this episode, Meow, as well, during the drive-in scene at the beginning. It it looks like Molly, when Molly's driving the bus, it just looks like she's standing. There's nothing outside the window. The the, uh, chroma key is real weak there.
3: This one is uh, The Muse and it comes from Lauren (laughs) Lola. I am on a mission right now to watch every single episode of So Weird. And by every episode, I mean every one. And that even includes episodes that I haven't even seen all of season three. I'm glad to know prior to going into this season that an episode that is somewhat reminiscent of what made the first two seasons so special exists. So thank you to the So Weird podcast for preparing me.
1: You're welcome. Mm -hmm. You are welcome. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you you, uh, keep listening to the show, Lauren.
2: So she's listening to the episodes even though she hasn't watched them? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Lauren also added on... On an unrelated note, you guys are a nostalgic bunch for the shows that were on both Disney Channel and Nickelodeon back in the day. If you don't mind me asking, what are your thoughts about Sweet Victory not being played at this year's Super Bowl? What's that? That's from Spongebob, I think. And that comment was nine weeks ago, so sorry we're just
1: now getting to it.
3: Honestly, I don't care about the Super Bowl or Spongebob, so I don't really care.
1: Yeah, I I follow neither of those things, so I'm sorry, Lauren. I don't have, uh, it sounds like we don't have much in the way of feedback for you on that one.
2: Yeah, I didn't watch Spongebob, so. Uh, Jimmy, did you watch Spongebob?
0: I mean, when I was younger, I saw it on TV. But I'm like, my sister's husband is like obsessed and like has all the seasons on DVD. But I, I don't really like a lot of childish stuff, like comedies and stuff. It's just not my thing. I'm more like horror, demons, ghosts, like (laughs) mysteries. That's the type of stuff I like. I liked Invaders, that was
1: on at the same time. But uh, no, I never. I liked Invaders. Yeah. Yeah, never watched SpongeBob, and I uh, don't really. Don't really follow the old sports ball much, so uh, sorry. Don't have much to say. Mm.
2: I think there was an issue because did the the guy who created SpongeBob died? Yes. And then. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. They said that there was going to be a tribute to him, or there's going to be some kind of SpongeBob clip at the Super Bowl. I don't know. They were going to play it, and then. I don't even know what happened, but people were really upset about it. But anyway, we don't really have an opinion on it, so.
1: Sorry. Um, From just everything I heard, nobody seemed to like the Super Bowl this year. (laughs) But we digress. So, um, do we want to talk about the Disney Plus news or lack thereof?
2: Well, I think we need to talk about it. I don't know if it's something you all want to talk about tonight. I mean...
1: This is is something we must address. Yeah, well... um, I mean, so they've announced the price point, they've announced when the service will be launching, and they've said something like, what, it, it, there's going to be 7,000 episodes of Disney Channel content on the service, or something like that? It's about um, uh,
3: 5,000 uh, at launch, and then 7,500 within the first year, so if so weird, it doesn't make it at once. Maybe it'll come during the first year.
1: I mean, is there even 7,500 episodes of Disney Channel content, period? Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, I don't have my phone with me, so I can't calculate it, but yeah.
2: we. I think we determined that, what was it? If each of the shows had 65 episodes, you divide... 5,000 by 65. How many shows did we determine could be on there? 5,000. I, I thought. something like that. Yeah, we went through this. I went through this because, I mean, I'm genuinely, like, worried about this.
1: <laughs> Crunching the numbers. Yeah, we'll yeah.
2: It would be 77 shows if each of them had 65 episodes. A little less than 77 shows.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if that includes, like, the uh, Playhouse Disney stuff, you know mm-hmm. that that that's more. I mean, if you go into like Town Heroes, does anybody remember that show? But uh, you know that kind of shit. But um, you know, just give us freaking so weird. God, you know, it's all we're asking for.
2: Yeah, it's literally, mm-hmm. the only thing I want from Disney Plus it is so weird. But they're giving you a lot more. I'm not going to advertise for it because again, they're probably not going to give us so weird. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, I do plan on subscribing to it because it is so cheap and they would love to watch all the DCOMs again. Yeah, it would be awesome to have so weird in that capacity.
2: When they announced all the, you know, stuff for the streaming service, they and they talked about the Disney Channel shows that would be on there. There was a big screen up behind the person talking and it showed a bunch of the Disney shows that would be available at launch. And all the shows that were in the picture that we got of the event were Even Stevens or Later, which, I mean, we've talked about this before. But anytime Disney does anything like the throwback Disney hour block on TV or whatever, it's only shows like Even Stevens or After. So that was a little disappointing for me to see. Yeah, yeah. But
0: hopefully they will try to appeal to the older audience because there is going to be, you know, there's tons of us that didn't identify with those shows that came after, you know, Lizzie McGuire and even Stevens, you know, because we're too old. So we kind of missed that whole, like, comedy um, that came after all the darker dramatic shows that we were used to growing up. So I hope they do try to appeal to the older audience which is now us, you know, in our late 20s, early 30s. I really really hope that they do. We we are holding out hope and like Melissa said if it's not this year, hopefully it's next year or the year after that. You know, we just have to hold out. Well, you know,
1: this is the thing. This is in our modern entertainment climate, it's all about who has the most content. And that's why Disney bought Fox so they could have more content. I mean, obviously they've already said that every single episode of the Simpsons is going to be on Disney And that isn't a, the, the number they gave does not include the Simpsons. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are far more episodes of just that show since it's, you, you know, by itself, but so I feel like the attitude Disney is taking is we just need to have a ton of stuff on our streaming service. They really want to compete with Netflix. They want to make a mark in the digital streaming marketplace. I mean when they said we're going to have every single Disney movie ever, when they, you know, how true that statement ends up being has remains to be seen. I my hope is just that they are so willing so eager to have as much stuff as possible. They will dig up absolutely everything, and that will hopefully include So Weird. This is our best shot.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is it. I mean, there's nothing else after this. There's no chance of getting a DVD with this streaming service out there. This is our only hope. You know, It's warmed my heart a little bit seeing the retweets on the So Weird Twitter, like our Twitter account of people tweeting Disney saying please put So Weird on there. But I mean, I don't think there's anything we could really do to influence their decision. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, and hopefully that's why you know they have ignored us um, because we have seen them reply. You know, the Disney Twitter, we've seen them reply to other fans. So hopefully that's why they're ignoring us because they knew that this service is coming out and that this is going to pacify all of us. Um, So that's what I my initial thought was like, oh, that's why they're ignoring us so hard about, you know, all of us reaching out asking for so weird because they had this streaming service in their back pocket. I I don't know, Jimmy, I think you overestimate how much uh,
1: so weird or how much Disney listens to us. But
0: yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but I mean, someone's got to see that shit. You know, someone sees it. So they're like, "Ah, (laughs) yeah.
2: So the Chris Gibson interview is going to be posted before this one, apparently.
1: Yeah. Um, According to Chris Gibson, he has gotten residuals for so weird, just out of the blue. And, you know, it, it, tracks the only reason he would get that for no reason, just out of nowhere is because it's going to be on the streaming service. But, you know, I, I am expecting nothing. This is, you know, Disney has never acknowledged the show has never made an attempt to please the fans of this program. So, you know, I'm expecting to be disappointed, but
0: if I'm not, that would be swell. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely hoping for the best, planning for the worst. And it was also disheartening um, that Belinda Metz had also commented publicly after Chris had told us he got residuals. She said, well, I hope they pay us residuals or they better pay us residuals. And when I reached out to her, You know, she hasn't received residuals. So some cast members have, some have not. So we don't know what to think at this point. Yeah. At this
1: point, we're all just waiting with bated breath until the service launches or until there's an announcement about what will be on at the very
0: least yeah mm-hmm. and she was the lead she was the lead in the show you know she got a her name was at the beginning of every episode and his right. wasn't so yeah, it's it, like why would yeah. why would he get to be, be getting residuals
3: before she? him
1: yeah it would be weird that a regular cast member would not be getting residuals but a reoccurring guest star would be but i, I don't know
2: yeah, I really, really want to see the show available on the streaming site. I want people who have forgotten about the show but loved it in the past to finally have some way of watching it easily, you know? Because you hear people say, oh, I love that show, but they have no way to watch it, so they kind of forget about it again. It just kind of slips out of people's heads.
1: Yeah. It
0: <laughs> can have huh. a newer fan base.
1: yeah. yeah. And I've talked about this before, how so weird. It's a show n- nobody ever talks about except for us. But if you mention it in a room of late 20s, 30-something millennials, everybody immediately goes like, oh, I loved that show. Everybody watched it. Nobody re- seems to talk about it for whatever reason. And if it was actually available, if you could say like, oh, well, if you want to see it, here it is. Just, you know, get on Disney+. Plus," That would uh, make our jobs a lot easier.
2: <laughs> uh- yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I remember uh, last year I was in a public speaking class, and my first speech was actually about So Weird. And a few of the cl- classmates actually asked where they can watch it afterwards. So uh, I just directed them to YouTube and the forum, <laughs> but uh, mostly YouTube.
2: Yeah. And I posted something on my Facebook about the so weird anniversary, and recently the post popped up again on someone's newsfeed. Apparently, and they commented, and they were like, uh, "There's a so weird podcast. Where can I listen?" So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they're listening to this episode, but hi, Facebook friend. <laughs> um, it's nice when things like that happen. But anyway, we're all keeping the
1: faith, as always.
2: Yeah, I guess we'll save the fact that Henry Winkler actually talked about So Weird on Twitter for next time. You all can put that in there, Um, because that's nice.
1: But anyway. What what did he say? Was it anything big? Was it just like...
2: He said he was proud to have been involved in the show.
1: Oh, well, well, thank you, Mr. Fonz. You know, I mean, that's awesome. I'm so glad he has fond memories of it as well.
2: Yeah, because... Kathy tweeted out a picture of him and Kara from behind the scenes and tagged him in it, and then he retweeted it and made that comment. So that was really, really nice.
1: All right. This has been the So Weird Podcast once again. I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. I'm Emily. And I'm Jimmy. And we are instructing you to keep the faith as always, and thank you for listening.
2: (laughs) Bye.